Hello there. This is Cassia. And this is Brian. And we wanted to tell you all that the Ebon Hawk merchandise page is now live. You can find it at the link in our Instagram bio, and you can get t-shirts in all different sizes and in nine different galactic colors. Yeah, that's right. I've got the uh, blue and the yellow, uh, which is the same color as Bastila's lightsaber, which is the best lightsaber. Uh, but yeah, it's available in nine colors. Um, and it's pretty awesome. It just has our logo on it. And go check those out and keep an eye on the store because we've got a couple other uh, products in the works and you know, always looking to add new stuff. So yeah, go and take a look at it. Uh, like Cassia mentioned, the link is in our bios or you can go to ebonhawkpodcast.square.site and check them out for yourself. And may the force be with you. Hello there, this is Cassia. And this is Brian. Welcome to the Ebon Hawk, a podcast discussing Star Wars news and Knights of the Old Republic. Spoiler alert for the Knights of the Old Republic series and the Star Wars films, TV shows, and all other media. This is where the fun begins. Hello, welcome to the Ebon Hawk Podcast. Today we have an extra special guest here with us. You may have known if you've been searching for Knights of the Old Republic media on YouTube or on Instagram, you would uh, know him as Unreal Cinema. But we have Scott here with us today. Scott, how are you doing? I'm doing really good. Thanks so much for having me on today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for joining us. So uh, I guess to kick this off, why don't you tell us a little bit, you know, kind of about uh, you kind of about your maybe your background, um, your kind of Star Wars story, uh, you know, just how you got the project started, you know, kind of anything you want to tell us about yourself. Yeah. So, I mean, I've loved Star Wars since I was a little kid and saw episode three in theaters. And so I, I've always been a big fan and it actually influenced me to get into the film industry. Right now I'm in my senior year of college at film school. So I'm working on trying to break into that industry. And that somehow ended up with me figuring out this virtual production stuff when COVID started. So that's sort of a little bit about my background there. Yeah. Uh, so that's awesome. So you're a senior, you're looking to get into, uh, into the film industry. And if you had a uh, kind of your pick of uh, jobs, I guess, in the entertainment industry, or would you do something more on the production side or what would you, what would your dream job be? I guess. I mean, I feel like every film major's dream job is to direct something. But right. more realistically, I'm really big into cinematography in the camera department. So working my way up the camera department is really what I want to get into. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it looks to us anyways, like you're off to a really good start uh, with this Knights of the Old Republic um, adaptation you got going. Uh, you said you've always been a fan of Star Wars. Well, what about um, Knights of the Old Republic? And in particular, did Knights of the Old Republic kind of lead to your Star Wars love or was it vice versa? Or how did you get into the, the Old Republic world? It, it, it was definitely a both sides kind of thing. My dad was really into the original trilogy when he was a kid. So I grew up watching those movies and then the prequels were coming out. So of course I was watching the prequels 
And my dad found this game called Knights of the Old Republic. And this was before I could even read. And he sat down and played through the entire game with me, reading out every single line, every single description, and getting me through this game because I love the story so much. And I'm like four years old at the time. Mm -hmm. But I just got so involved with the story and I loved it. And it always stuck with me. And since then, I've played it dozens of times with different stories going through different light side, dark side, all that stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, when you play it, do you have a do you have a preferred uh, side you like to go down? Or you know, it, it's funny. I know it's a game, and I know that there aren't real consequences, but it's still <laughs> that like little. I feel a little bit bad when I even when I try to do a dark side run. Right. I I, I feel like a little bit bad every single time. I'm like I, I don't really want to hurt this person's feelings saying this. Yeah, and it's a character in the game. So most of the time I go sort of in the middle ground is my preferred run, but leaning more towards the light side. Yeah, I always uh, intend to start a dark side playthrough and I'm never able to do it. I'm in the same boat as you. I, I get to, you know, the first couple of decisions and I make a dark side choice and then I feel you know guilt about it for the rest of the day. So <laughs> Cassia, what about you when you are doing your playthroughs? I'm team light side all the way. I mean, I think I did a couple uh, playthroughs where I chose to go bad on Lee Han, but just uh, taking down Juhani and Jolie and then having Zalbar like end mission, it just kind of <laughs> broke me. And I'm like, I, I can never do that. You know, I can't like kill the childlike innocence that Mission Veo represents. So I'm just team light side. And that's what I like to embrace in the Star Wars saga. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it's yeah, it sounds like we're all in the same boat there. So when you're when you're doing these uh, playthroughs, when you're looking at all the characters in your party, I guess who is your favorite character, Scott? Um, is one of the characters, you know, kind of your ideal character uh, when you connect with, or do you have a favorite amongst the uh, the cast of the Ebon Hawk there? No, that is the hardest question because I I love almost all of the characters. Jahani has never been my favorite character and will always be like at my bottom mm -hmm. list of characters. But for favorite, there's just something about HK 47 that I just love his just dry humor. And every line that he ever says is my favorite line in all of Kodor. I was going to say, I love his line in Knights of the Old Republic too, about love, where it's like you are making a shot with a trilight cinemascope like through a vortex and I'm just like I'm not reading it off of a screen so I'm kind of butchering it but I'm just like the way he does describe love it's hilarious it's deadpan and just like so hilarious but I'm like that is actually so touching and I would love to see that in an adaptation you know yeah that, I, I think I remember that exact line and it, it's such a, it's such a good line that comes from a character that you wouldn't expect to say something like that. Yeah, HK-47 is great. Like you said, they're all great. And I had here in my notes, you know, it kind of depends on what day you ask me. My favorite is probably Jolie. I just kind of like the, you know, kind of down the middle, kind of Jedi, you know, dark side, you know, kind of kind of plays both sides as a good sounding board for everyone. But yeah, probably my favorite is Jolie. Cassia, who is your favorite KOTOR character? You can only pick one. Um, in Knights of the Old Republic 1... I would say Basla because she has a lot 
going on. She's kind of the instigator of a lot of the plot. And Mm -hmm. it's just interesting to see, like, she's kind of being duplicitous, you know, but like it's coming from what she thinks is a good place. And she has all these um, expectations thrust upon her. And she really thinks she's an Obi-Wan, like presents herself as like an Obi-Wan type of character. But if you like really kind of analyze her, she's kind of more like an Anakin, you know, and Mm -hmm. she kind of goes like from light to dark and then canonically like comes back. And I'm like, that is just a, a really fascinating journey. Yeah, she's such a great and complex character that really just shows what all of Kodor is about. It's about making that ensemble of complex characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, uh, speaking of ensembles, do you have kind of a preferred threesome you go around on these uh, planetary adventures with? Or do you like to change it up when you play? Or I, I pretty much always stick with Bastila and HK for almost every situation that I go into because I like to have the backup having some range and then mm-hmm. me and Bastila just charging in with lightsabers. That's been my playthrough every time I've played forever pretty much yeah no i'm uh i pick the very generic uh trio of the player and then bastila and karth uh what about you cassia who are you taking into battle um whenever i do like the star map missions i try to keep it like revan bastila and karth but i try to like be like is everyone getting enough screen time and then like kind of switch everyone out you know and like i'm always kind of like in my head, I'm like, okay, everyone's getting enough screen time this season, you know, and like, okay, all these characters, I'm figuring out their backstories, and they're telling me, and they're leveling up, you know, but Revan, Bastila, Karth, because it, it feels like they are the the main trio of that era. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I think that is going to kind of cover the background on Knights of the Old Republic. Why don't we come back and we'll talk a little bit more about what Scott's got going on in his uh, Knights of the Old Republic adaptation. All right, so... In case you've been living under a rock, Unreal Cinema is developing one of the coolest KOTOR fan series to ever be created using the Unreal Engine. Scott, what gave you the idea to create a miniseries kind of chronicling the first nights of the Old Republic game? It it actually started about a year ago when all the COVID stuff started happening and film sets were pretty much impossible at that point. And I decided to get into the virtual production stuff. And I love Star Wars. I've always loved Star Wars. So I kept trying to think, what can I do in virtual production while doing the Star Wars thing? And I went through all these different ideas and all these different like little proof of concepts. You can actually see some of them show up on the channel demo is some clone commando stuff and things like that because i was hugely inspired by cinematic captures and the entire clone commando uh, short film that he put together then i remembered knights of the old republic is the best star wars story ever told and is vastly overdue for another telling 
So it started off with me just deciding, you know what, I'm going to retell this story again, but that's a really big task right now. So maybe I'll just do a trailer. And I didn't expect it to go anywhere. I didn't expect to get any kind of amount of views for it. So I was just going to do it for myself as a little personal project and a little bit of real building and stuff like that. And then the second video that I ever posted blew up the I'm adapting Knights of the Old Republic in Unreal Engine 4 just blew up. And suddenly I was like, hey, maybe I can actually like really make a series out of this. And it just kind of has snowballed and people have gotten onto my team and have helped me actually realize that, yeah, this is totally possible and this is something that I'm actually doing. So it's just been awesome. Yeah, it looks like on your uh, YouTube here now all the way up over 40,000 subscribers. And uh, yeah. that's that, that's amazing. So uh, congratulations on that milestone for sure. Yeah, that's been just crazy to hit that amount of subscribers in such a short amount of time because it really it, it's only been about two or three weeks since the real boom started happening on my channel yeah mm -hmm. i think it's indicative of the story of kotor just being so good because it's a game that came out in 2003 but everyone is still talking about it in 2021 and is so passionate about these characters and I think it also speaks to the quality of what you're putting out because when I saw it, I was like, wow, <laughs> this is really good. And yeah, so it, it's well-deserved and congratulations. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Will, uh, will your adaptation adapt the story of the game one for one or do you think you will kind of improvise a bit or kind of adjust some things? So with any adaptation, there's always some compromises that have to be made in the goal of trying to make a one full story in essentially 10 episodes or broken up a little bit. I think we're talking about that a little bit later. But the idea is to keep it as true to the original game as possible while adding a little bit extra here and there and changing some things just for the sake of making the story flow correctly and the character arcs to be cohesive over the course of the miniseries. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I, that's something that uh, we talk about a lot when kind of imagining things as as a film or a series or something, because you, you're talking about a, you know, an RPG game, you know, so spread over 40 hours and you know, some things have to go and some things definitely have to stay. So yeah, those decisions to make are really, you know, what kind of helps get the story flowing correctly i think exactly yeah i have a writing background and i've done some film courses so like i'm i'm that crazy english major who's like oh they made some changes from the book for the movie but it made for a good film so i'm okay with that but you talk to some english majors and it's like they kind of ruined the plot because this character is supposed to have blonde hair and it was brown and then I would just be like thinking in my mind, like the hair color doesn't impact the plot. That's just like, you know, a stylistic detail, you know, but sometimes like adaptations, as long as they like strengthen the story you're telling, like I'm all for them, <laughs> you know? So speaking of which, there is a question from the great 
Ironic Designs, who says, are you using the voice work and dialogue from the game or having actors record new lines for this adaptation? So the original plan before everything kind of blew up was I was just going to use the lines for a dialogue from the game because mm -hmm. I didn't expect it really to be seen by anybody. And now, however, I'm, I'm in a bit of a tough spot with that of having to recast all these characters and record all these dialogue lines just because of the fact that now that it's a bit more popular, I don't want to take the work that those super talented voice actors have done and just take it to use in my project. Mm -hmm. So for that, I am going to end up re-recording the lines for the voices. And then it also gives me more freedom to create better written dialogue that doesn't sound like it's just ripped right out of a game, if that makes sense. That's fascinating. I think it's a good decision and it'll be fun to see uh, what changes you make uh, one question, I don't know if it's too early to ask, uh, but will your Revan just stand there mute and just nod his head, or will you give him dialogue, or will it be a him? Uh, it, so I am going with the canon idea of, well, quote-unquote canon, I guess none of it's canon, but the more widely accepted idea of the mullet man Revan, and he will be talking in it. So I will be finding a, vo a voice actor to be speaking. Okay, that'll be cool. And what are some of the inspirations that have been, I'm really coming up with great words right now. What are the inspirations that inspire <laughs> this project? You know, like the characters and worlds and everything. I mean, there's a lot of cinematic inspirations for me. Uh, the, big, the biggest one for me is Clone Wars. I think that the way, especially the later seasons of Star Wars The Clone Wars, mm -hmm. the way they told their stories and visually executed everything, especially their fight scenes, are so inspiring to me. And it's a big piece that I want to be able to insert into my project and make it really feel like that kind of Star Wars while being the more realistic style that I'm going for. Another one is controversy about storyline aside, the sequels are visually stunning and a lot of the cinematography and just visuals in general, I would love to just pull that kind of feeling from. And then of course, outside of Star Wars, I have other inspirations such as Ridley Scott is a huge director, inspira ah, director inspiration for me, along with his regular cinematographer, Darius Wolski. Um, he worked on stuff like Prometheus, uh, Alien Covenant, uh, the Martian, all of those Ridley Scott films they've worked together. And I think that they just have some really incredible shot design. And outside of that, for like story structure, I love The Mandalorian. I think they do a great job in breaking down the stories and the, the idea of going one episode, one planet, one episode, one planet. And that's something I really want to pull for it when I'm going into breaking down the story into manageable chunks. Yeah, that sounds like a good pacing structure. And those are some uh, talented people you mentioned in some beautiful looking films. I might have to boot one up tonight. So we have a few questions from the Gabe Young who says, kind of going along the lines of breaking episodes up. What is your, or he says, how do you plan on breaking the episodes up? So there's going to be an overall structure 
that is differing from the release structure. I've settled on breaking up the story into 10 episodes ranging from 30 minutes to 60 minutes, but I'm going to be releasing them in 15 minute increments. That way I can get them sooner and a little bit closer together than if I was trying to do full 30 to 60 minute episodes. It could be months in between each episode versus weeks. Yeah. So that's the major plan for that. As for story breakup, the first two episodes are going to cover Terrace. And then going on from there, it'll be uh, Corban, Tatooine. Not quite in this order. I'm just trying to get the planets (laughs) listed out there. Uh, Dantooine is first, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so all the different planets then go into Malak's ship, the Leviathan, and finally the Unknown World and onto the Star Forge for the finale episode. Ah, oh, that sounds really fun. Do you have the order you think you'll go to the worlds chosen? Or are you still deciding? So so it's still getting pushed around. Dantooine's obviously first. Korriban is going to be the last planet after Bastila is taken away from the group. Uh, the other planets in between, having Manan, uh, Kashyyyk, and Tatooine, Tatooine will probably be the third one just because of the Bastila's mom storyline that I do want to put in there. But really, Manan and Kashyyyk are kind of getting thrown back and forth on which one works better for story order. What I really want to do is get Jolie in there as soon as possible because I think he's a great character and a great influence. And I think he could, his storyline that goes on on Manan is really awesome, but it's definitely a back and forth on what exactly I want to do with it. Yeah. As an aside on our podcast, we, since like about episode 30, we just kind of like, I I love film. And like, sometimes we just like talk about how could it be adapted and uh, paced. And it's interesting just to hear everyone's different takes about the order to do the planets. And we kind of just talk about on this podcast, like doing like terrorists, Dantooine, Kashyyyk, and then Tatooine, Manon, Korriban, and stuff like that. So it's it's always interesting to like kind of hear like everyone's different takes on like how to adapt a story, tell a story visually. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, because there's a difference when you're trying to tell, you know, kind of a fleshed out, you know, film or tell a story as opposed to having a game where you can, you know, kind of get lost in these worlds for so long. So, yeah, it's interesting to hear uh, kind of your take on it, um, it, people's takes on how they would do it if they were structuring it as more of a, you know, cemented story. So that's cool. Yeah, it's definitely probably the hardest part of trying to plan out the series is figuring out which order these planets need to go into. Because normally when I play the game, I jump back and forth between the different planets. I don't normally just play one planet all the way through, move on to the next one. I normally jump around a little bit to get different side quests done. So it's definitely going to be difficult to condense an entire planet down into just one episode. Yeah, for sure. So kind of talking about different planets, they all kind of have different iconography, different different locations and different assets. The Gabe Young asks, where do you get all your textures from? So most of the assets that I'm using, I have created some of them and I've worked on a few different things with it. But for the most part, I have an awesome team of all these different 3D artists that are helping me out creating these different assets. 
creating the textures and putting it all together for the project. And they're just incredible. And without them, this really would not be possible. How many people are on the team right now? So currently we are up to eight, but it's a definitely a, it's vo all volunteer right now. And so it's an on off kind of gig where though I, I pretty much have just given up a, not given up, given out a list of different assets for them to work on in their spare time as they're going forward in their own personal lives and when they have the time to work on it. So it's definitely a little bit of a slow and steady kind of idea, but I'm so thankful for all of them being able to help out on the project. Yeah, it seems like you guys are creating good content and teamwork is always good. And I just wanted to say like, thank you, Brian, for uh, <laughs> helping out with the podcast. You've been a great co-host and great help and I'm always appreciative. So, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, teamwork makes the dream work, for sure. <laughs> ooh, ooh. And then uh, Gabe Young, his final question is, it is financially and mentally taxing to create art and literature. How do you sustain yourself aside from Patreon? It is a lot sometimes, taking just first that mentally taxing side. I'm still in college right now, and I'm in my... See, well, about to go into my senior year. I'm actually last part of my junior year right now. But it's definitely a lot. Like this past weekend, I was on a film shoot all weekend. And so now I have to play a bit of catch up trying to get the update done for this Friday to come out. So it's definitely a bit of a push and pull of what parts of my life get all of my attention. As for the financial side, it is Definitely, I, I've put a lot of personal resources in it, and the Patreon has been great to try to get some of the back that back and all of it right now and plan to always be is being funneled back into the project, working on stuff like motion capture, software, getting better and better models and assets and character designs and all of that. Yeah, like it's always good to have balance and what you're creating is good content and it's good just to go at a good pace where it's fun and it's not draining and it, it seems like uh, you're finding that balance so uh what are there certain like characters worlds or scenes you're most excited to realize yeah they're my favorite world and you could probably tell by the fact that it's the first one i ever worked on for this project is corban I've always loved the Valley of the Sith Lords and I've always loved the storyline of that planet. So that was the first one that I dived into working on and dived into putting together. And then for characters getting putting together Revan and having Alex Poe created the model for the character, the armored Revan, but I'm super excited to put together the unmasked version of Revan. And for scenes, the biggest scene that I'm most excited about is the big reveal, the big twist of who Revan is and all of that. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Cassia, what world or scene are you most excited for Scott to work out into his uh, film here? Um, I think like seeing the character moments on Tatooine would be fascinating to see, but I would also be very interested in seeing how Terrace is realized, like all three different levels, like seeing how visually they kind of seem like they're from the same world, but like different levels. 
And mm-hmm. I kind of just wonder if they're going to be inspired by the game or or is it going to kind of be updated? Like, you know, how the prequels, I think they were inspired by like neoclassical architecture. And since like Terrace is in the KOTOR era, I was like, would it be like a different architecture style or something? That would be interesting. Yeah, I'm definitely excited about putting Terrace together. That's actually the big project that we're starting to go into. We've gotten most of the Endar Spire put together for that opening. So now it's really starting to push into that whole terrace and the city, the upper city, lower, all of that is, I'm excited about it. A lot of my inspiration for it is coming from concept art rather than just the game. While of course there is so much inspiration that you can take from the game there. It's a 20, almost 20 year old game with not as much detail as you would want to have. So there's obviously inspiration coming from the game, but a lot of it is coming from the concept art that was created for the game designers, if that makes sense. Yeah, the designers were, I think they consulted with the concept artist, uh, what's his name, Uh, Ralph McQuarrie, and they consulted with him when they were coming up with the uh, visuals and iconography of, the KOTOR game. So that's what I find interesting is like you're kind of establishing uh, the galaxy far, far away, but 4,000 years before what we know. So it's going to look different, but still feel like Star Wars. And one question I do just have to ask, will there be Rackles? <laughs> of course there will be Rackles. That, that is an integral part of the Undercity. I don't know. They it's a it's a bold design choice. I'm like they're glistening, you know, like monkey cyclops, you know. So it'll be cool to see them in all the unreal cinema glory in that engine. Yeah, th- those are going to be some fun creatures to bring to life for the series. I'm definitely inspired by the original designs, but I've also recently in the last year started playing the Old Republic MMO, and they have so many varied Rackles that they've created for that game that could be interesting to pull some of that for, from. Yeah, that, that would be cool. I'd have to say the scene I'm looking forward to the most uh, would be like kind of like a little bit of a flashback, but it would be the Jedi Strike team because it, it's just like it's something we haven't really seen, you know, in the films too much. And it's kind of like the turning point of the whole uh, story. Like it sets up the Knights of the Old Republic, basically. Yeah, that, that's one of those moments. And there's a few different moments that I'm going to pull that kind of extend the idea that came from the game, where I'll probably do a full flashback sequence of the fight between Bastila and Revan there and the fight between the whole strike team and really flesh out that moment. And there's a few other flashback moments that I really want to pull for the series that I'm very excited about. Yeah. Uh, what scene would you be most excited to see, Brian? Uh, so like Scott, I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, your take on the Korriban and Valley of the, the Dark Lords, the Sith Lords uh, there, because uh, that's just going to look amazing. Um, yeah, I really like um you know egyptian and you know old uh like 
Jordan and things like that, um, the Valley of the Kings. So I, I think that that's going to look really cool. Now in the game, my favorite animatic is probably when you're going into Manon and you get to see the Ebon Hawk. You see Manon down there on the water, the sun shining, so the Ebon Hawk's looking, you know, bright and shiny. So I think seeing that you know, realized in Unreal is going to be really excellent. So I'm excited to see that, but. Yeah, there's just so much good stuff and to just see it, you know, at this high of quality is going to be, you know, absolutely fantastic for sure. Yeah, it's funny you talk about that high quality. Every time I put together a render and I finally I hit that render button, let it go through and watch it back. I'm always blown away by what you're able to do in a free engine like Unreal Engine. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. So in conclusion, what are we excited for? Yes. <laughs> All the things. On a, on a quick side note to bring up the Unreal Engine, uh, how did you get started uh, using that? Is that just something you got into using like in school? or? Uh, actually, I've never taken any kind of virtual production or game design or any class like that. I got into Unreal Engine originally my senior year or junior, senior year of high school because a friend of mine wanted to make a game and we started working on it a little bit together. And it got me into this sort of like, ooh, this is kind of like a cool game design program to use. And it seems pretty simple. And then I didn't pick it up for a long time until I started hearing about all this virtual production stuff. And The Mandalorian came out and they did all this crazy virtual production stuff using Unreal Engine and Quixel Megascans that it's all free and available to anyone to use. And COVID hit and I decided, you know what, I'm going to dive in and try to learn this the best that I can and really get into it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I can tell you've really invested uh, the time and you've learned a lot of great skills. So do you think you'll adapt KOTOR 2 or for right now, are you just focusing on the first KOTOR? It really depends on, I mean, at this point, I would say the series is doing, I was going to say it depends on how well this series does. But at this point, the series is doing extremely well, even before it's ever come out. So my plan is the moment I finish adapting the first game, I really want to dive into adapting Codor 2 and really delving into that very complex story. I'm very intimidated by it because it, feels a lot more complex than the original Codor and with a lot more branching storylines. Yeah. But I, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, Kotor is kind of a bit more of a straightforward Star Wars hero's journey, and Kotor 2 is very philosophical. I they're I love them both for different reasons, you know. So mm. would there be a version you would want to adapt? Would you do the restored content or uh, the released? I, I would definitely pull from the... I, I haven't played Kodor 2 without the restored content in I don't know how long, and so that's a, that's the version of the game for me that I know and I love. So it would definitely pull in those restored scenes, and it really makes the storyline flow better for me. And as for versions, it would definitely be the Mitra Surik idea and following her and again, sticking to the more light side and not, I go back and forth with that game with whether or not she should really follow Kreia's advice or just be a good person. And that's 
definitely where I'm going to have some push and pull. Yeah, it would be a fascinating story to see unfold. And it would be awesome to see Mitra have the limelight, you know, and it'd be cool to see down the line. Uh, what would you be most excited to see in a KOTOR 2 version, Brian? Oh, um, yeah, I think it's just KOTOR 2 would just be a, a lot more intimate. Like you said, it's more of a kind of a philosophical thing as opposed to this hero's tale. So I think you get kind of the big epic exploration in a KOTOR 1 and then just more of these intimate you know, character moments between everyone and KOTOR 2. So I'd like to see you know, how you could push uh, what you're doing with Unreal into something like that, maybe that's a little bit more uh, character-driven, I think would be really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see Kreia's dialogue in HD and also Beodur's arm. Like, oh, yeah. I don't know. I find it really cool. <laughs> yeah, hi, Kreia is quite possibly my favorite Star Wars character in general. She just has such an interesting view on the Force and absolutely everything. I've watched too many videos diving into Kreia's philosophy and ideas. Yeah. And honestly, like, she's kind of like a top three best written Star Wars character for me, like, out of everything. I don't know how they came up with that character in that amount of time, but it, it just really is a rich character. And every time I hear Kreia, I'm, I'm learning new stuff, thinking about new things. So it'd be fascinating to see her uh, realized. So are there any announcements or hints about what you're going to release down the line? I, th th this, th this is the one question that I'm very hesitant <laughs> to give too much away on. I will say, look out before long for the reveal of what our Unmasked Revan is going to look like. I'm still working on deciding whether or rather what his undercover Memories of Race name is going to be. But look out for that before long, what that final version of Revan is going to be. And then my, we're working on creating assets tirelessly, trying to get this done as fast as possible. The goal right now is to release the first part of the first episode by the end of summer. And then every couple of weeks after, or every like three or four weeks after that, release another part going on through 2021 and 2022. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely uh, excited to uh, see the Unmasked Revan for sure. Yeah. And then, so selfish plug here, both of us. Um, <laughs> if, you need, if you need KOTOR writers or consultants or you ever want to just come on the podcast and hype anything up, we're always here to volunteer as tribute and we're happy to help. I will always keep you all in mind. How can our listeners find and support what you are doing? So they can go check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Unreal Cinema, or support us on Patreon, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all Unreal Cinema or Unreal underscore Cinema, depending on the website. <laughs> awesome. And is there anything you wish to be asked that we forgot to ask you? Uh, I think I'm pretty good. All right. And yeah. for those keeping score at home, we recorded on May the 4th. So happy May the 4th from the past, you know, and <laughs> May the 4th. That's right. 
This is the Force Ghost of May the 4th. So yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you, Scott, very much for coming on. We're super excited to have you. Um, and we're super excited to see uh, your project and watch it grow and watch uh, all the great you know, KOTOR content you're bringing to the world. So thank you for that. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, have a good one, everyone. And you can find us on Instagram at Podcast. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram. It's at Astro underscore Droid underscore. The Ebon Hawk can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Schuerman at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash Alistair Sounds. Our transition music was composed by Christian Walker at christianwalkermusic.com. This episode of the Up and Hawk podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the force be with you. We'll be back soon. Bye for now.